0: Praise the Lord. Okay. Good morning. It's good to be in God's house this morning, eh, amen? Let's find our seats this morning. We're going to continue on this morning with our live class that we've been going over for the last four weeks now. Today is the fourth week and is part four, last part of our four-part series we've been talking about. And we've been talking about being faithful to the truth, amen. In our first week, we talked about how our lives need to be a faithful pattern, amen. We, the example we spoke about was if you give a child a piece of paper and some crayons and you say, draw me a dress, and they draw the draw a dress for you. If you were then to try and sew that into an actual dress, it would be very difficult because it's not a proper pattern. It looks kind of like a dress, but it's not actually a pattern that you can follow, amen. And so in the first week we spoke about the importance of being faithful because our lives are a pattern for others to read, amen. And if we aren't really being a Christian, showing our lives to be Christian, how are people going to know what it means to be a Christian? Amen. And so our lives need to model the pattern, amen, that we read in the Bible. We've got to apply that to our life. That was the the first week. And then in the second week, and remember we had a little bit of a gap between the two weeks because I was sick, but in the second week we spoke about not being ashamed of the gospel, amen. We spoke about how it's one thing to be faithful to truth, but often we will hide it inside of us. We don't want to tell people about it. We don't want to encourage people to live for the Lord, amen, because we're ashamed. And the Bible says we ought not to be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, amen. And so that was the, the second week. And then last week, we spoke about the importance of studying God's word, amen. We cannot just get our theology from YouTube or from Google or somewhere like that, but we ought to read God's Word. We ought to study God's Word, amen. We ought to have it deep in our hearts, amen. Your Word, I have hid in my heart, the Bible says in Psalms, that I might not sin against you, amen. It is when we study God's Word, we learn how to apply the pattern that is in God's Word. Amen. You with me so far? Praise the Lord. And so that's why we have to study God's word. We can't just rely, let me put it this way, we can't just rely on the teaching and the preaching that we hear on Sunday, amen. This is why it's important to read God's word every day, amen, to allow it to speak into your heart, to speak into your life. You know, one of the things I do is I ask questions. When you go to the Bible, ask questions. Well, why did Jesus say that? Why did the disciples do that? Why did the prophet prophesy like that? Why did he act like that? Ask questions and then go find the answer in God's Word. Amen. Search the Scriptures. Find the answer, amen, and you grow and you learn, amen, and you become a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. And so today we're going to continue on our last lesson. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter four and we're going to read verse two and I'll probably I will probably read verse three too, although we did talk a little bit um, last week about verse three. say Amen when you're there. Amen, Second Timothy chapter four. And verse 2, it says this, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers and having itching ears, or in other words, when we reach the last days, there are going to be people who are going to say, well, you know what, preacher, you're not really preaching what I like, what I want to hear, so I'm going to go somewhere else, amen, or I'm going to Google it, or I'm going to find something else, or, you know, it's not quite suiting me, amen, and it's really a sign of the times, it's a sign of the age, amen, and this is what Paul is warning Timothy, and this is back in Timothy, back in Bible days, right, so he's saying we have to be instant, in season, in season and out of seasons. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, Philip, who's heard of the Apostle Philip? The, not the Apostle, what they call him? Evangelist. The Evangelist Philip. He was the preacher who launched the revival in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And shortly after that, the angel of the Lord came to Philip and spoke to him and said, you need to go down to Gaza. And Philip instantly obeyed. He didn't, he didn't waste time. And as Philip walked through the desert, because if you look at it on a map, from Samaria to Gaza is straight through the middle of a desert. And so Philip starts walking straight through the middle of this desert. And as he is walking, the Bible tells us that his path crossed the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a man who had the charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. right? And her title was Candace. Her name wasn't really Candace. Candace was a title. Right, like we would say Queen, they would say Candace. Right? That was the Ethiopian language back then. So he was the treasurer of the Queen of Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia at the time was quite a large kingdom. As a matter of fact, most, um, most Bible scholars kind of say that Ethiopia was everywhere south of Egypt, was kind of Ethiopia. You had the Kingdom of Egypt, and then you had Ethiopia. And, right? and so Philip is in the middle of the desert. And he comes across this Ethiopian eunuch, the man who is in charge of the treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And as Philip approaches the chariot, he can hear the Ethiopian eunuch reading out loud. And the spirit speaks to him and says, go and walk alongside the chariot. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, the language that's recorded in Acts 8.29, you've know, you got to remember, right, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. It's not written in English. It was written in Greek, right? And, and the language that's there is kind of God is telling Philip to go and join fast together with the official, kind of like glue or cement. God's instructions was to make more than a casual connection. He wasn't meant to just walk up to the Ethiopian and go, hey, how are you doing? Nice day out here in the desert. Safe travels. No, he was there, and God said, you need to be connected to this guy, like glue. That's what God was telling him. And, and, and as, as he came, Philip heard the man was reading. And he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And so Philip asked him, he said, do you understand what you are reading? And the official answered, he said, well, how can, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And so the man said to Philip, he said, come, join me in my chariot and and explain this to me. The King James puts it like this. It says that he desired Philip, that he would come and sit with him. The Greek word there that we translate as English into desired has the meaning of to call to one side for the purpose of giving aid. In other words, to call the, the way that the Ethiopian eunuch desired him to come was like, hey, I've been shot and I need help. I've been robbed and I need help. Come and help me. That was the, the attitude, the passion that was behind the Ethiopian eunuch's voice. He was saying, you've got to help me with this. I have no idea what I'm reading here. It's not making sense. Please, can you help me? Amen. The other interesting little side note there is the Greek word that's translated as desired is also translated as comforter. And it's a related word to comforter, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that longing in the Ethiopian to know the Scripture motivated God to connect him with Philip. That was why God sent him to Gaza, because he wanted him to walk through the middle of that desert to intersect with that Ethiopian eunuch, amen? And, and, and God was the one who orchestrated that. And, and the Ethiopian eunuch wanted to know the true meaning of Scripture, and the Comforter arranged that meaning. Amen. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit that leads into all truth, John sixteen thirteen tells us. Amen. And so anyway, he, he, he gets there and he listens and, and he's reading. It says that he was reading from Isaiah where it says, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And, and after he read that, the official said to Philip, he said, please tell me, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about somebody else? And the Bible says that Philip began to teach the man from that very scripture, he preached Jesus to him he explained that Jesus was the promised Messiah and that Jesus was the source of salvation, amen? And, and while the chariot was still moving through the desert, the party came to a place where there was water. And the Ethiopian eunuch said, Look, water, what forbids me from being baptized? Now, we kind of read that, and in kind of without understanding the culture and the background, kind of, yeah, okay, it's a logical question to ask. But it is actually an incredible moving question and a great statement of faith from the Ethiopian eunuch. See, this man was a eunuch. He was marred, even as a God-fearer, even as a convert to Judaism. Amen? And even though his faith was sincere, a eunuch was not able to enter into the temple. They were not allowed to go in to worship God. The very God that he wanted to serve, he could not enter into the temple under the Judaism's laws. He wasn't allowed to go in, amen. He was forbidden because he was mine. But when the eunuch received the gospel that Philip was preaching to him, a spark of hope lit his soul. And he asked, is there any reason why I can't be baptized? He said, I've come all this way to Jerusalem to worship, and they would not let me in. I've come all this way to show my devotion to the God of Israel, to Yahweh, and they would not let me in. And Philip, don't lie to me now. You're sitting here saying that there is now a salvation that is open to me, you Are about to turn around and tell me, oh, no, I'm sorry. You can't come into this either. This is not for you. And he says, can I please get baptized? Is there something that stops me from being baptized? Amen. Can I be included in this salvation? And Philip turns around to the chariot and says, stop. Just think about the boldness of Philip for a second, commanding another man's chariot to stop. He stops the chariot. And they go straight down to the water and Philip says, if you believe, you can be baptized, amen. And so Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, amen. And afterwards, immediately, the Bible says, the spirit caught Philip away. He was gone. And they found him in another town, amen. And the Bible says that the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. You ever wondered why he rejoiced? God had sent someone specifically to preach the gospel to him in the middle of a desert, and when that man got there, he said, You know what? You can be a part of this. You don't have to be excluded. And then straight away, Philip was gone after he'd been baptized. No wonder he went on his way rejoicing, amen. So the Lord called Philip from a revival in Samaria and sent him into the desert. And the story that we've just spoken about, about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, it shows how God divinely orchestrated an encounter between two people who otherwise would have never have met. Philip was in Samaria. He was preaching about Jesus. He had no reason to go out into the desert. Everything was going well in Samaria. The revival was going great. People were coming to the Lord. People were getting baptized. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Great things were happening, amen. He had no reason to go to the desert. And yet God says, I want you to go into the desert. Philip introduced the official to Jesus by revealing him as the suffering servant through the prophetic words of Isaiah. See, God knows the heart and God knows the readiness and he knew the heart and he knew the readiness of this man in the same way that God knows the heart and the readiness of people who we meet every day, amen? And this is why it's so important as Timothy said, to be, so as Paul said in Timothy, to be instant in season and out of season. We have to listen and we have to respond when God God speaks to us because God knows who's hungry. God knows who's ready to hear the gospel. God knows who's ready to hear his word. Amen? Now, Philip's encounter with the eunuch was sort of like a precursor to the Gentile revival which was about to come. In Acts chapter 10, we hear the full story of the conversion of Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion. God sent an angel to Peter to prepare him to leave Joppa and to preach salvation to the Gentiles. Amen? Now Cornelius was a Greek who lived in Caesarea. So he was a Gentile as well, a devout Greek though. And he was saved along with his entire household. And and many people kind of hold him up as this is the first person, the first Gentile who was saved. And not quite correct. If you look at the timeline the Bible lays out, then the Ethiopian eunuch was, was actually first. He received the gospel before Cornelius did. But These two conversion stories, they share a couple of parallels, which is very interesting because these parallels show us how God works and what God will do in our lives if we are listening to him as disciples. Amen. To begin with, both Cornelius and the Ethiopian eunuch were both men of influence among non-Jewish people. You know, sometimes when we are witnessing We don't have as much greater faith as to believe that someone who is an influential person in the community will come to the Lord. We know that people who have a great need generally tend to have greater sensitivity to the Lord, amen? It's true. It's true the world over. It's true anywhere you go in the world. People who can't put food on the table and don't know how to pay the bills will often come to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. Amen. But there are people out there who are hungry like Cornelius. Like the Ethiopian eunuch who have everything going for them, they've got the money, they've got the job, they've got the cars, they've got the house, they've got the influence, they've got the web pages, everything's going great for them, but deep inside their heart, something's crying saying, "I'm still empty and I'm hungry and I need somebody to help me." And it's those people that God will point out, and He will speak to you and say, "Go speak to that person." Our problem is is we look at them and go, "Oh no, 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 no,." I can't. No, that, that person's a politician. I couldn't speak to them. That person's running for parliament. Everything's going great for their lives. Oh, that person's a doctor. He's driving an Audi. Oh, no, he wouldn't need, he wouldn't need what I've got. No, we can't believe that. Because the Bible shows us here that Cornelius and the Ethiopian youth, they were men of great influence, great wealth. And yet they still needed Jesus. Amen. We should never discount anybody regardless of their status, whether it's high or whether it's low. Amen. The gospel is universal. It is for everybody. Amen. Another parallel between the conversions of the Ethiopian and Cornelius is how God supernaturally guided his disciples to out-of-the-way locations to minister to them. The Lord gave direction to both Peter and to Philip to step outside of the areas of their current ministry, amen. He had men go beyond the geography that they were used to to reach God-fearing people who at the time were not allowed to worship with religious Jews. See, Cornelius was in the same boat as the Ethiopian eunuch. He loved God. He worshipped God. He did everything he could do, but he was not allowed into the temple. He's a Gentile. You cannot come in, amen. And yet he was hungry, And he was praying, and the Bible says he was praying when the angel appeared to him and said, send to Joppa, to the house of Simon the Tanner, a man named Peter. He'll come and tell you what you have to do. Amen? The sensitivity and obedience of God's faithful messages opened up doors of influence to reach entire communities. Amen? The day that Philip walked into the desert as he obeyed the word of the Lord, he had no idea that his actions would create a channel for the gospel in Ethiopia. And like I said earlier, that referred to everywhere south of Egypt in Africa at the time. Right? It was the kingdom of Ethiopia. He had no idea. right? In the story of the eunuch, Candace. Remember, I said Candace is not a proper name. It's a Greek translation of the word kandake, which is a title. It's a title they would give to the queen. She was the ruling queen. And her treasurer, think about this, Her treasurer was the one who looked after the financial side of the kingdom. So he would have been negotiating trade. He would have been talking with other countries. He would have been buying and selling for the queen. All that kind of stuff was his responsibility. That means he would have known Greek because Greek was the language of trade. Right? That's what all the merchants spoke. Everybody spoke Greek. And here comes Philip. Now, Philip was a Jew, however, his name, Philip, is not a Jewish name. That's a Greek name, and that indicates to us that he was probably a Jew, but he lived in Gentiles lands. In Gentile lands, which means Philip's native language would have also been Greek. Right? Can you see how this has been orchestrated by God? God arranges not just to send anybody, but he sends someone who can speak the same language as the Ethiopian treasurer. Right? God is orchestrating this for Philip, amen, but Philip has no idea. He's just obeying God's Word. And this is the thing. When we step out in faith and we obey God's Word and we witness to somebody, we don't know what the result of that will be. We don't know what the outcome will be, but that's not up to us. It's God's job to work out the outcome. We leave that in His hands. Our job is to be obedient, and that's what Philip did. And so God arranged to send him into the middle of the desert, and not just that, make sure the guy he sent could speak the same language as the guy he was going to meet. Incredible, isn't it? Now, when you study history, if you look at um, some of the early church fathers, Irenaeus, who was a Greek bishop around 130 AD, and another one, Erebus, he was a historian around 260 AD, they wrote and they said that because Philip reached the eunuch, the eunuch went back and eventually the queen was saved as well. And she was baptized, and she became a Christian as well, amen. And it, the, 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 sorry, the Bible dictionary, Easton's Bible dictionary says that the eunuch ended up becoming an apostle in that region. He went and preached, he started churches, he outreached, he reached for people, amen. All because one person heard the voice from God saying, go down to Gaza and walk through the desert. Amen. Peter, Pope, tongue untied. Philip's willingness to go a different way, to leave what he was doing and to be inconvenienced opens the door. But my point is, is that Philip did not know that at the time. God did not tell him, I want you to go to Gaza. You're going to go through a desert. You're going to meet an Ethiopian eunuch. I want you to speak to him. He's going to get saved. He's going to go reach his whole country with the gospel. No, God didn't tell him that. God just said, walk through the desert, go to Gaza. Yes, God. Philip obeyed. When he saw the chariot, God gave him further instructions. Amen. But he stepped out and did what God had asked him to do. He simply heard and obeyed. And have you ever thought, perhaps Philip might have thought, this is a bit foolish? But God, we're in the middle of a revival here. I'm trying. I'm trying to set up a church here, God. We've got people getting baptized left, right, and center. We're running out of water here. There's miracles. There's healings. All sorts of great things are happening, God. And do you want me to what again? Go to Gaza? There's nothing in Gaza at the moment, is there, Jesus? What's happening? No, Philip didn't do that. But I wonder if, if somewhere in there that, that feeling was there. Maybe he thought it was foolish, but, you know, he probably understood. You know, the Bible says the base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not are brought to naught the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. Right? Peter, <laughs> Philip understood that it was God who was to get all the glory, amen. And that's why God doesn't often tell you everything that's going to happen. He just says, do it, amen. Why? Because then he gets the glory for it. And that's what happened when Philip walked out. The other interesting thing is that the Lord purposefully orchestrated the inclusion of all races, all social statuses, all capabilities in the church. That is what Philip and the story of the Ethiopian eunuch illustrate for us. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says that Philip was reading, I'm sorry, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, rather, from the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 56, just a few pages closer, close to where he was already reading. Maybe he had this part. Maybe he had already read this part. But listen to this. Imagine for a moment, you're the Ethiopian eunuch. You're not allowed in the temple. You cannot worship the God of Israel like you want to. And this is what Isaiah said. Neither let the son of the stranger... This is Isaiah 56 verse 3. Neither let the son of the stranger that has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say... Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Can you imagine the Ethiopian eunuch reading those words? He'd be like, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. Even unto them will I give in mine house and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of strangers that join themselves to the Lord, to serve Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring into my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Can you imagine the eunuch reading this as he's going through Jerusalem and he he finishes up and he's heading home and he's read this part first as he's driving through the desert by himself and he's sitting here thinking the prophet said that I would have a name that would not be cut off. The prophet said I was going to have a legacy. The prophet said that I would be brought into the house of the Lord, into the mountain of the Lord. The prophet said I was going to have joy. Hallelujah. and, and, And I can't can't see it cuz I've just come from Jerusalem and they refused to let me in. They ignored what their prophet had said. So what's going on, God? And all of a sudden, the Ethiopian spots a man coming out of the haze in the desert. God has sent someone to answer that man's cry. You know, eunuchs and strangers, they were not allowed into the temple. The Ethiopian eunuch stands as a symbol to all people who have been maimed and injured, people who are not whole, people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who need help, and God says to them, you are welcome in my house. Hallelujah. God sent Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch because he wanted to demonstrate that every person who had previously been excluded from worshiping God would now be allowed to enter in. Hallelujah. That's why we proclaim that the gospel is a universal gospel. We don't care about your background. We don't care about your story. We don't care whether you're rich or poor, fat or skinny. Hallelujah. The gospel is for everybody. It's for whosoever will. Amen. Whoever wants to obey is able to obey. And that is what the Ethiopian eunuch tells us hallelujah as a matter of fact I believe that God had even a greater purpose in his mind as that Ethiopian eunuch went back to Ethiopia rejoicing, I don't know how well he had studied God's word, Amen. But the Bible says in Psalm sixty-eight and verse thirty-one that Ethiopia shall soon stretch out her hands unto God. The psalmist, writing centuries before, prophesied that there would come a time when even Ethiopia would be able to worship the one true God of Israel, and they wouldn't be cut off and. They wouldn't be rejected, hallelujah. And here comes the Ethiopian eunuch. He's been baptized, hallelujah. He's now living for God, and he's fulfilling a prophecy that even he probably didn't know anything about, amen. Woo, sorry, I'm getting excited. Salvation is universal, and salvation never comes from a man. We know that, amen. But God does use people to lead others to him. This is why we have to listen to what Paul said to Timothy. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Hallelujah. And just sitting there going, well, hold up, Pastor. I'm not the preacher. You are. No, no, no. We need to all preach the gospel. Hallelujah. We need to all be willing at any moment. Amen. Because we might come into contact with people who like the Ethiopian eunuch, they're reading God's word and they don't understand it and they don't know how it applies to them. We need to be a spirit filled interpreter and teacher. We need to be disciples who are willing to make disciples, willing to reach other people, willing to preach the gospel. Preach the word be instant in season, out of season, amen. Even today, God is actively fulfilling his purposes through divinely orchestrated encounters. God arranges things. We've had people in this church who are still living for God who have come to this church because they've met me out there or they've met you out there and we've said something to them and something has started growing and a hunger has begun to form. God still actively fulfills His purpose through divinely orchestrated encounters. I don't know, we may never be translated from one location to another like happened to Philip, but God can still move us into positions to connect with people who are hungry, for His word, what might seem out of season for Philip was in season for God and in season for the Ethiopian eunuch. Scripture tells us that we have to be ready to always give our testimony to others. It's First Peter three fifteen. And so, as Philip preached about Jesus to the eunuch in Acts chapter eight and verse thirty five. So too today we can find points of agreement with hungry people and preach Jesus from their areas of curiosity or their spiritual experiences. Amen. You know what? When Philip went out to see the Ethiopian eunuch, he didn't say, look, let's just scrap everything that you've read and let me tell you about Jesus. No, the Bible says he started right at that scripture. He says, let me show you how that scripture was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you know what? There are people out there with many beliefs, many ideas of spirituality, many encounters, many things they've heard from God and from churches and from other places. There are other people out there who have been hurt by the church, who don't know what to do anymore and church is a discouragement to them amen it doesn't matter where people are as students of God's word we have to learn to connect with them right where they are hurting right where they are hungry right where they are curious and from that point we lead them to Jesus Christ we lead them to the gospel amen but that's how you do it you connect with people amen and it might seem out of season for you but it's going to be in season to them And the only way that we can do that is if we are in prayerful communication with God. We have got to be people of prayer. We've got to be people who can hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to us. We've got to be able to read God's Word and to be able to recall scriptures. This is why I encourage people, memorize the scriptures. Have them in your heart because you don't know when you might suddenly need them. Memorize God's Word. Amen. We have to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord. You have to be aware to what's going around you. Aware of what's going on. And when you're talking to someone and they look a little sad, just ask them, are you okay? Don't be afraid to step out. People aren't going to get offended. And if they are, that's okay. You're just stepping out in faith and just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Walk away. Amen? But be observant. Watch your surroundings. See what people are doing. See what people are feeling. Learn to seek after the heart of God and find out what is going on in their life. Amen? You know, when when Philip was in Samaria, the Lord spoke to him and said, Arise, go to Gaza. And the Bible says Philip immediately arose and went. You know, God is going to give you opportunities to speak to people, but they are fleeting. God says, I want you to speak to that person. And you go, oh, opportunity's gone. You've missed it. You've got to be instant, in season, out of season. Jump on it when God begins to speak to you and asks you to speak to someone. When the Spirit said, go, join yourself to the chariot, the Bible says Philip ran. He didn't waste time. He ran. He bolted towards the chariot. In the middle of the desert, he ran. He said, wait, I've got to talk to you. And then like Philip, we need to know how to handle God's Word. We spoke about this last lesson. We spoke about be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Right? We have to know how to handle God's Word. Amen? We have to know how to handle God's Word. Philip was sent on a specific mission. And when believers today allow themselves to be led by the Spirit, we too can be fruitful in any evangelistic endeavors that we undertake. But if we are not careful to be led by the Spirit, we can waste valuable time witnessing to people who are not ready and people who may in fact turn against us. Jesus put it this way. He said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. The Word of God is sacred, and we should not just throw it out where it will not be regarded with reverence, but listen to the voice of the Spirit, amen, and allow God to speak to your heart, and you will find people who are hungry and are thirsty for what we have, amen. You know, I read the scripture earlier, Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Jesus taught principles that were hard for people to understand. And hard for people to accept. And the Bible says in John 60 that many people walked away. Many people went, oh, pfft, no, that's too hard, Jesus. I'm not going to follow you now. I've changed my mind. And we, we, we see this in today's postmodern church. As people reject sound doctrine and instead they accept lifestyles and practices which the Bible clearly identifies as sin. And last week we talked about itching ears. People who just want to hear what they want to hear. Amen. And this week's verse gives us wisdom to deal with them. We are to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season. We are to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Amen. We have to be willing to teach what is right. And we have to teach it convincingly and with conviction. We cannot honor or approve what is wrong, but instead we should be encouraging people to do what is right. That, Oh, my friends, that doesn't mean we just point a finger at their nose and say, well, you're wrong. No, it's with long-suffering. It's with patience, amen. We are to, with wisdom, patiently feed them God's Word as they are ready to receive it. And we have a responsibility to accept that as our Calling when we show, share God's word with guidance and with patience, amen. He will draw those who are spiritually hungry to Himself. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 32 He said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. How do we lift Him up in our lives? How do we lift Him up in our lives? We make Him our number one priority. He make, we make Him our reason for existence. We make Him the reason we live. God has put... I don't, I don't know about you, but God has put me in this city to preach the gospel for no other reason. I didn't come to Cairns because it's a beautiful town. I didn't come to Cairns because I like the lifestyle. I didn't come to Cairns because I want to go swimming on the Great Barrier Reef. I came to Cairns to preach the gospel. And as long as God wants me to preach the gospel, here I will stay, amen. And we need to be the same. We are not here for any other purpose as disciples of Jesus Christ than to advance the kingdom of God. Preach the gospel. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Evangelism is a profession of the few, but sharing Jesus with others should be the passion of every believer because the world will not see Jesus with their eyes except through you. The Great Commission calls us to be Jesus in disguise. Not every person will respond the way that we hope, but Jesus wants us to know that He sees our work, our labor, our patience, our commitment to the truth, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 2 tells us. So we are to be faithful to proclaim to others God's word as truth. We are not preaching a man's theology. We're not preaching philosophy. We're not preaching good ideas. We're preaching God's word. You know, people often come and ask me. I get it all the time. People come, well, pastor, what do you think about this? And I'll tell them, well, let's go have a look what the Bible says. Oh, but pastor, I want to know what you think. What I think is irrelevant, what I think doesn't matter, it's what the Bible says. If the Bible says it, I believe it. If the Bible doesn't say it, I don't believe it. Amen? And that's what we need to be. The Bible is our guiding light. His word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen? Let's all stand this morning, get ready to finish up. From the time that Nona... Anyone heard of Nona Freeman before? Nona Freeman, I know some of the people on the live stream might have heard of her from the time. Nona Freeman received the Holy Spirit at the age of 11. She knew she had a call of God on her life. However, as a teenager, she walked away from God. In 1937, Nona met E.L. Freeman, who was known as Bug, and Bug was also backslidden. He too was running from God. The Lord had called him into the ministry at the age of 6 But both of them had a secret. God had called both of them to be missionaries to Africa. And neither of them told each other. When Nona was 15 years old, the doctors discovered that she only had one lung. She suffered with poor health, and after two months, two months after she had met Bug, she collapsed at college. The doctors offered her no hope, and the sick girl was sent home from hospital just to die. But Nona prayed. She said, Lord, I'm disobedient. And I've failed you. But God, if you bring me back to life, don't let death take me, I will serve you. And so God saved her. It was a miracle. God forgave her sent her back. And she broke her engagement with Bug. But then she felt that, you know, maybe it's God's will that we do get married. So they got married. And even though they were married, they still kept the fact that God had spoken to both of them separately as children. That they were called to be missionaries to Africa. Eventually, though, after they were married, it came out and they realized God had called them both to Africa. And they accepted that in 1939. They faced many channels, challenges on their way. Nona's grandmother said, if you don't go to Africa, if you forget this call of God, just stay in America here with your family. I will write my entire will and give it all to you when I die. And her grandmother was very wealthy. Challenge, huh? After years of setbacks, the couple was appointed to go as missionaries to Africa in 1944. They were given $300 for their journey. It took them another four years to go, but as they went, the Freemans and their five children boarded a cargo boat and headed over to Africa, they worked diligently, and revivals broke out across the entire land in 20 years of tent revivals. The freemen saw miracles of healing, they saw salvation, and there was challenging conditions that they were facing with, but nothing could stop them. And together, they had so many adventures. There's a book they wrote, Adventures with Bug and Nona, if you ever want to get it, it's a great reading, read, book to read but they established works across the continent of Africa where there was no churches. In season and out of season, they answered the call of God. With health challenges and money and other challenges, they ministered in Africa for 41 years before they returned to the United States. Brother Freeman passed away around 1999, and Sister Freeman continued to travel to preach and to speak until she passed away at the age of 93 Years old, she served the Lord faithfully and ministry for 70 years. But it started because they heard a word from the Lord and they said, God, we'll go. Let's bow our heads. Can we do any different? Can we do any different? We look at the examples of our heroes of the faith, we look at the examples in God's word. All we can do is we can say, Lord, send me. I'm willing, Jesus. I'm willing. Let's pray, precious Jesus. Thank you for this day, Lord God. Thank you for the teaching, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, you've got so many people, Lord, in this city alone, who are hungry, Lord, for you, who are thirsty for truth, Lord God. This world would say there is no truth. You can believe what you want, Lord, but we know that is not true. For your word is truth, Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away, Lord God. Lord, I pray, God, that we would answer the call in our heart, Lord God, to speak to people, to reach for people, Lord God, to love people, Lord, with the truth, to bring people face to face with their Savior, Lord God. Lord, to be able to draw close to you, Lord God. Help us, Lord, as disciples, Lord, as your servants, to be sensitive to your voice, Lord God. To hear your word speak to us, Lord God, to step out in faith, to speak to people who are hungry and hurting. Lord, we thank you, Lord, Help us to fulfill the holy commission that you've given us, Lord God, to reach this world with your gospel, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus. Everybody says amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap.